You are listening to the Over and Back Podcast with Jason and RJ. And as always, we want you all to shut up and sit down. Hey, NBA fans, welcome to the Over and Back Podcast for March 3rd, 2019. I am Jason Corbis, and with me as always is RJ Benner. Hey, hey. Uh, we are your weekly drop for NBA news and entertaining stories from around the world of sports. Uh, so how's your week been, man? Uh, you know, I'm not feeling too great. Got a little bit of a head cold, so my apologies if uh, you can hear my cough drop rattling around in my mouth or uh, if I sound a little bit off. But other than that, I'm all right. How about you? Yeah, I think it's been going around. I sound a little bit better than last week, but I felt like I was uh, had my nose plugged the entire show. So. <laughs> yeah, thank goodness for winter, right? You know, uh, flu bugs and everything else. Uh, you love this time of year. Well, hey, man, uh, what do you say we just drop right into the news? There's a lot of cool stuff going around the league this week. It's been an interesting week, to say the least. Yeah, you know, most of the time this is just the dog days of basketball where we just sit around and we wait for the playoffs to, to kind of come into um, come into focus. But mm, a lot of drama, man. Yeah, very, very, very high drama, especially in teams that are just kind of suffering this week, too, that are drawing the most, the most negative press, you know? Yeah, so one of the one of the teams, obviously, that's all over the place is the Boston Celtics, Kyrie Irving and company. Um, he seems to every week have a different personality. One week he's he's talking about how players can say what they want, feel how they feel, and, and guaranteeing finals appearances. And then the next week he's saying, talk to the coach. No, it's just like a lot of, you know, I want to stay, I want to leave, I want to stay, I'm going to leave. It's kind of reminds me too much of high school relationships. <laughs> well, and I think it's a, a reflection that he's never really been a mature leader, right? So before LeBron was in Cleveland, he led a really bad team that nobody cared about. He, LeBron shows up and he gets his feelings hurt, goes to Boston, then he throws... Last season, even, he was throwing shade on his players. This season, he's really thrown shade, and now he looks like he's going to possibly jump ship to another team. Yeah, see, Kyrie never got over the fact that when he re-signed with the Cavaliers before LeBron James got there, which is, what, only a couple of months before he actually mm-hmm. it was announced that he was coming back, Kyrie didn't want any part of that. Kyrie thought he was signing his extension to be the guy, and it just did not work out that way. So Right. Well, you, But here's the thing. If, if rumors are true, and he's going to go to the uh, the Knicks with Kevin Durant, he's not the guy. He's not the guy with any other top five, top ten player in the league because he's not one of those players. Well, I think right now he doesn't want to be the guy. I think he's realized, you know, it's especially for uh, a guy of, say, his stature, uh, it's really difficult. It's more difficult than I think he anticipated. And it's not like he's he has a ragtag bunch of scrubs, man. He's no. got what was supposed to be like the best team into the league coming into this season, and he's struggling. Right. I mean, at this point, he doesn't even have home court advantage, right? Yeah. If the playoffs ended today, he'd be facing the 76ers. They would be out in the first round. Probably. the Sixers have their number. Right. This. And this and this was the, the one of the anointed teams at the beginning of the season saying they were going to make this leap. You know, Gordon Hayward carries a little bit of the uh, – Hayward carries a little bit of – I was uh, <laughs> Brendan Hayward's brother. Uh, Gordon Hayward carries a little bit of the blame for not being able to round into form. Brad Stevens clearly gets some of the blame for not being able to uh, get the minutes right for the players that need it. But Kyrie has to carry the 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 full brunt yeah. of the blame. Yeah, no, it's 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 amazing to me that last year I couldn't believe the praise that young NBA coach Brad Stevens was getting, where they were uh, they were talking about uh, what players would you pick to build your own team, and people wanted to start 
with the coach Brad Stevens instead because they thought that his his uh, coaching ability was through the roof. Yeah. And it was really effective for the fact that he had a bunch of young guys that weren't weren't uh, that weren't superstars yep. because he is so used to coaching in the college game. This is his first year where he's being tested, uh, coaching. Ego Le- legitimate stars, legitimate NBA players who have put in their time, and it's just not working out. Yeah, I'm with you. So uh, Celtics aren't the only teams that's struggling right now. You know, you look at the uh, – obviously we talk – I, I, I want to stay away from constantly talking about the Lakers, but they're spinning out of control as well. Uh, I think the Vegas line on them just changed uh, – like 700 points uh, from making the playoffs to, to not making the playoffs. I think they have like a, a less than 10% chance now. Uh, what What's happened in L.A.? I don't know, man. They're free-falling faster than a Tom Petty song. Uh, yeah, that was, yeah, it was bad. <laughs> it's, it's, it's funny to me. All of, this, uh, all of this drama and bad press has come straight out of LeBron. Yeah. Uh, it's been reported on year after year after year, just the chaos that a LeBron locker room brings. brings. And this year, like, took the cake as far as uh, alienating all of these players, uh, all of these young guys who are mentioned in this trade for Anthony Davis. And there's that divide now between basically everybody who was offered up in the trade and all of these one-year vets mm-hmm. that, you know, <laughs> that... Uh, that are actually, you know, yeah. playing no. for another contract. Yeah, there's there's no harmony. Like if you if you're one of the one year guys, you knew you were brought in on a rental. You know, there's twenty or or so games left, and that's money. That's your money. Yeah. You might not be. You might be Michael Beasley. Beasley was on that team for a one year deal to prove himself. He couldn't do it. You know where he's playing at right now? China. He's in China and he's happy about it. That's what's going to happen to these players if they can't prove it. Rondo might be able to land someplace, but who's picking up Lance Stevenson? Well, you know, I gotta say though, Lance has been one of the most entertaining guys in the league this year. <laughs> He's had more funny highlights than I can remember, and it's it's actually, you know, that's that's my favorite part of the Lakers so far has actually been Lance Stevenson this year. All right, I, I just don't see I don't see the one year guys. They're not bought in. They're no. they're working on their money, and the young guys. Hey man, LeBron was supposed to come in, teach us how to play basketball. All he wants to do is get rid of us. Does this sound familiar? Ask Andrew Wiggins. Yeah. Well, the the crazy thing too is uh, his demeanor, as far as what expectations were for a, a team cohesion in the beginning of the league. Mm-hmm. Uh, initially, he wanted them to like like I think we talked about it before. Like if if a guy fell on the ground, you wait for your teammates to grab you and pick you up because we're a team, we're a unit, we're a family. And now there's such a great divide. You get knocked down, go into the hole. Everybody just kind of walks away. Nobody's nobody's having a good time on the bench, and it's just a fractured, fractured team. It is. LeBron carries a lot of that blame. I wonder how much Luke Walton is going to take the blame, though, uh, at the end of the season. You know, I, I know that Jalen Rose and some of the other sports talking heads have, have already deemed him gone. Yeah. It's a shame, too, because... I think Luke Walton is actually a pretty solid coach, and he's just not getting a fair shake because everywhere LeBron goes, everything is always catered to LeBron, even in his 16th year in the league, you know? Mm-hmm. He, I'm sorry, he's not the best anymore. Well, I mean, he's his time is short, and you think, like, I remember Jordan when Jordan's time was short. He got even meaner. He got even hungrier. And LeBron seems to have a more lackadaisical attitude about it, saying, I'm he's, already the greatest. He's so complacent. It's he insane. Is. Now, he wants to save 
all of his energy and all of his effort for the playoff run that he always likes to make. <laughs> well, he's going to have a very energetic, energetic summer sitting on the beach. Maybe he I don't needs think it. they're making the playoffs. Maybe he needs that. Maybe he's that tired that he's like, oh, I just, you know what? In June, I want to just be able to sip my ties. Yeah, maybe he wants to tank. So, okay, these teams are really easy that we can point to. You know, Celtics free-falling, Lakers free-falling. Another team that we've always kind of, like, followed with a little bit of admiration for the way that they play basketball, tough defense, they pass the ball around, they do it right, and they always seem to to perform, you know, uh, anywhere from that three to six range with with success is the uh, San Antonio Spurs. They're in a free-fall. They're three and seven in their last ten games. They went on, like, they were... were, uh, uh, one in one in seven at some, at one point, uh, and their defense has just fallen to the wayside. What's happening in San Antonio? Yeah, it's really tough to watch, especially since uh, you know I've been diehard Spurs since I was like 11 years old. But I haven't seen them, you know, aside from last year. Since I was in high school, was the last time that it win 50 games. You know, it's uh, it's not that they don't have a lot of good pieces. They do. It's just uh, they haven't had that time now. There was always a good core in San Antonio that just kind of got built upon. And a little bit would go, you know, we would lose a player here and there, and then we would replace them, and then they would have a little time to work back into the mm-hmm. groove. And, you know, a couple of years ago, it was almost like, you know, we're going to just completely start from scratch. And it's been a very, very tough building, rebuilding situation. And But the thing is, is even though they're pretty much rebuilding – they're in a pretty good spot, and they're still a pretty good team for a team that is starting anew, basically. So here's what I'm curious about with the Spurs. Uh, they, they haven't embraced the new the new NBA, right? So uh, I, I'll ask some rhetorical questions here. Do you know the uh, the team that has shot the least amount of three-pointers in the NBA? It's, it's the San Antonio Spurs. Alternately, do you know who has the highest three-point percentage? It's the San Antonio Spurs. Popovich is not <laughs> going to evolve his game. You're going to shoot threes when you're open from the corner after a drive a dish. You're going to shoot threes when the ball goes inside and it comes back out to you on a double team. You're not going to run down the court and shoot a, a 30-foot three-pointer just because Steph Curry and James Harden are doing it. Uh, he, he has a disciplined way of playing basketball. But the problem is that's only going to go so far. I, I got I to question how much is he going to get out of Murray at the point guard. That's not a Tony Parker clone, right? This is, no. this is a defensive-focused no. kid with a, with a low ceiling. And, and then he goes and he lets Pau Gasol walk for, for a chance to go play for the Bucks. So is he, is he looking at this roster saying it's time, to, it's, it's time to change direction? Or is he looking at it thinking, uh, I'm out of here anyways? See, Pop has always wanted... And has always been good at getting the best out of players, uh, even the ones that have a pretty low ceiling. You know, you see, like, say, Jonathan Simmons had an incredible year with the Spurs, is able to sign with Orlando, and then just kind of falls off of a cliff. Now he's he's contributing a little bit in Philly, but it's not it's not great. Uh, there's just been example after example of these guys in pop system where he gets he gets the most he can squeeze blood from a stone man the most out of these players that in other kind of free flowing systems uh, just don't work that well by themselves so he puts these players that don't have all the talent in the world into a system that really just works and having the highest percentage shows that he takes threes at opportune times mm-hmm. and doesn't just jack them up and waste possessions. So, to be quite honest, if we had these guys being coached in another system, I can't even imagine what their record would be if they were running, you know, 
just out of a Greg Popovich kind of uh, system. So, so then make a proclamation right now. Thirty-five and twenty-nine. They're currently tied for the seventh seed with the with the Clippers. Um, are, are they're are they're making the playoffs at this point? They are. They I are. I don't see them dropping below the Clippers. Now I see, I see the Clippers falling out of the playoff spot. It could be possible uh, if Sacramento keeps playing hard. I don't think L.A. is going to work their way back up that ladder. Yeah. But there is there's a fair amount of room between eight and nine. Uh, but I don't see the Spurs dropping anywhere further than eight. They're not playing great ball right now. But so, so the the last the last thing I want to ask you, uh, and again I go to you all things Spurs. So uh, I give you the opportunity to change my mind here. Greg Popovich is not coaching a young team. DeMar DeRozan, LaMarcus Aldridge, he's Pau Gasol until last week. He's got veteran talent that know how the game is played. Why is it that they play like a young rookie team with an amazing home record and an 11-22 and 22 road record? This is something indicative of young players who don't know how to handle uh, not having the crowd behind them. What's going on with that? They've had a lot of execution problems, and it's it's been kind of evident it's it's tough. They these guys. I mean, they're they're doing what they can under the system, but they haven't had an opportunity to gel. DeRozan's coming in. This is his first year, and he's doing pretty well. But he's having a down year for uh, for him, and and he's got some adjustment to take. Now it was the same thing with Lamarcus Aldridge. He didn't adjust right yeah, away. Right. You know, he had a really really rough year his first year to where he wanted out. He wanted out. He he was asking for a trade. But uh, Greg Popovich has a a way of turning those negatives into positives. The only thing that really, really stinks is Greg Popovich isn't going to be there much longer, and I don't know what's going to happen after that. Yeah, no, I, I hear you. So let's let's uh, let's switch from teams that are struggling um, to uh, teams that are doing well. All right. So last week. Uh, and, and for every week until the playoffs happen and until I'm proven wrong, I'm on the Raptor bandwagon, right? Maybe this is only one season of Kawhi leading this team, but they're 9-1. and one. They pick up Marcus All. Their, their team efficiency has gone through the roof. Marcus Marc like uh, per 100 possessions assist ratio is leading the league right now. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I get it. That's a small sample size. But he's unlocked a new offense. It used to be Kawhi's on the floor and you go ISO heavy. Kawhi's off the floor. You you go pass heavy, right? Mm -hmm. uh, now even even with with different lineups with Kawhi out there, without him out there, they're going in and out, right? The, you're getting uh, backdoor cuts. Uh, you're seeing players just unlock new levels. Danny Green uh, going back to kind of the way he played with on the Spurs with those wide open shots. Mm -hmm. You get Pascal Siakam on backdoor cuts like every night now. Well, they're playing very old school ball because in and out is how you used to play. When you had your dominant centers in the league, it was drop it down low, see where your options are, backdoor cuts, kick it back out for open shooters. You know, the big guy tries to make a move. There's a double team. He kicks it out. It's it's classic basketball, and you see classic basketball actually works a lot of times. Yeah, I'm hyped on him. Here, here's a question for you. It's fun to watch. Yeah, here, here's a question for you. Uh, and again, this is why I'm this is why I'm I'm gonna ride the Raptor train. Do you know the one player who has owned the Golden State Warriors since their 2015 abomination team? Well, that was Kawhi. Right. Yeah. So counting counting this season, he's eight and six right now. Well, when the Spurs uh, met the Warriors in the playoffs before Kawhi had that uh, quad injury. Was it the quad, that one? I thought was he hurt his one? knee that one. Oh, yeah. And the yeah, quad happened in the offseason. You're right, that, that was his knee. But 
I mean, the Spurs were rolling against the the uh, the Warriors, and then as soon as he was out, it was like a completely different team. Yeah. So he does make a lot of impact. Yeah, he's a two and zero this season against him as well. It seems to be he knows how to stop him. You know who he doesn't know how to stop, and he's got to figure this out. The Bucks own the Raptors. That's the only thing that might stop them, in my opinion, is they're one and three this season against the the Bucks. And yeah, well, in all fairness, the first game that they played against the Bucks, Kawhi was not playing. All right, so so at that point, one and two with with Kawhi, but I, they got to figure that out. Like, uh, I get the the Bucks are an exciting regular season team, and maybe when the playoffs come, Kawhi can step it up and, and shut Giannis down a little bit better. But right now. Uh, that's well, that's the only question. Kawhi is still not up to his uh, his defense where he was a couple of years ago. He's he's getting there, but he is not quite the defender he was. Yeah, so he he's legit. Uh, you know, out of the out of the East, we're looking at uh, you know they're nine and one. The Bucks are eight and two. Um, the the Pacers seven and three. It, it's a it's a far different look from the West right now. You know, you have the Nuggets and the Thunder five and five in the last ten games. The Warriors six and ten. No, I'm sorry, six and four. Are are they just are they coasting? Is it is it just that they're beating each other up? Is this one of those things where they say the SEC is a great college football conference and the reason why they have <laughs> losses is because they beat each other, or are they just tired and, and just taking it easy? You know, it's it's a little bit of both. I'm sure they are taking it a little bit easy though. Like it's so long as Golden State say is in the top two, they don't really care. They have home court advantage through through the Western Conference and should, you know, they face the Bucks or the Raptors and their record be a little bit worse than theirs going into the finals, I don't think they're too concerned about playing those two teams on the road. You know, conserving themselves in the regular season and not going, you know, you know, forgive my French, but, you know, what to the wall, <laughs> uh, you know, and, and wasting it all. I mean, that was pretty much the reason why they didn't win the championship in their 73-win season was because it was you know, 110% during the regular season to get that record. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm with you on that. that. And that was ugly. I remember, I think you and I were talking about that when it was happening. We said, this is going to this is gonna bite them in the butt, man. This mm-hmm. is, you know what's going to happen is they're going to run out of gas, and that's exactly what they did. And, um, you know, and it also fate, maybe. I yeah. don't know. The, this is the only time where 72 is greater than 73. <laughs> She's still saying that. <laughs> so we have a... You mentioned something. I want to. I want to talk about it a little bit. You said uh, Raptors kind of going back to old school basketball, right? So something else that we're starting to see a trend with is a uh, a move away, a different a different ideology from this super team basketball. There's still this contingent of of NBA owners who want to be able to put together, you know, definitely t- at least two, three, sometimes four superstars, or you know, maybe two superstars and two big stars. Right. Uh, to, to put together a chance to win, and then they just fill the roster with scrubs. You know, uh, veteran minimum people on their way out of the league and rookies who, who can't get anything more than, um, you know, their locked-in salaries. Uh, on the flip side of that, and it's really showing in the records, man, we have the Bucks, the Raptors, the Pacers, the Nuggets, the Blazers, these teams that are they're not superstar, uh, super team-driven. They have, they have one um, superstar. They have a couple good players. But, man, they have depth right now. So... What's going on, man? What, like, what what do you think with, with with this transition with some of these other teams that we're seeing? There's been some pretty impressive performances by, uh, in particular, Indiana. Now, I was I was one of those people that thought when Victor Oladipo went down that Indiana's ship was sunk. I think they were standing at number four in the East at that time. Yeah, and you know. They didn't fall. They've risen. Yeah. Those guys are working so well together. It is impressive to see that young talent there just just shine right now and play really, really good, smart basketball. Well, you know, you, you're you underselling Wesley Matthews 
That's <laughs> you know he's basically Victor Oladipo uh, 2.0. Uh, <laughs> I joke, of course, but just, you know just without a good Achilles. It's right. <laughs> right it's a um, you know they're they're a team much like the other ones that we've talked about. Uh, they're a team with a lot of good players. I call them fringe starters, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, six, seven, eight players who could start in this league on other teams, but they're not paying three or four max salaries. They have they have the ten million to twelve million dollar range contracts. Yeah, what works really good about having that deep of a team is especially at with players at that level that that just under star level but really solid starters is they can just keep that rotation going and never have the talent really drop that far off the court and then they're they're players that that really do have a lot of shine miles sabonis yep they actually stay fresher because they don't have to grind the entire game they got guys to come in for them and to uh actually uh keep that that cohesion and not let teams go on big runs against them. Right. You know, and when, when a Kyrie or a, uh, a Durant or a Curry, when they have an off night, that team loses, right? Oh, pretty much. Who is, is anybody, anybody on the Pacers can have an off night and it won't matter. Yeah, but anybody can be their leading scorer and that's what's that, beautiful. Yeah, you know, they, uh, you know, they're one of the few teams that remind me of uh, that 2004 Pistons team that knocked off the Lakers yeah. where it was just like, you're going to get, you're going to get beat in a million different ways, they're either gonna they're gonna smother you on defense because all of them want to try really hard. You know that team; it was Billups could kill you, uh, Rasheed Wallace, uh, Rip Hamilton. Oh, it didn't matter. Wallace. Rasheed Wallace was a killer, right? Oh. It didn't, yeah, it didn't matter. They just rotated who was the star that night. Um, and, and I think this is maybe course correction. You know, and, and then the cool thing is, you know, we talked about earlier in the set in this podcast, superstars killing chemistry. Absolutely, you don't have that problem. Can you name a problem that came out of Indiana that wasn't health related? No, no. It, it was really cool was to to hear some of the guys talk about uh, after Oladipo went down about how you know they were just going to rally together and that's what real teams do you know they stick together no matter what. Yeah, you know. Side note, uh, can you name the top three defensive efficiency teams in the league right now? Oh, let's see. I'm going to go with the Utah Jazz. Mm-hmm. That's three. Uh, boy, I'll help you out here. All right. So number one. Is uh, the Milwaukee Bucks? Yeah. All right, and the team that we're talking about is number two in the entire league right now in defensive efficiency. Indiana Pacers. They're winning games by playing defense. They're winning games by everybody buying in. And you know, not not the not for nothing. That's the number one seed, the number three seed, and the number uh, what is it? Fourth, fifth seed in the in the West. Yeah, Utah's fifth. All right, so I, I think we're seeing a, a shift in the league. Yeah, what's really cool about Utah, too, is uh, to see Utah actually have a solid big man and a solid a solid small guard, and it's just reminiscent of the Stockton Malone days, and it's a lot of fun to watch. Uh, the Bucks, the Bucks are always going to be good on defense with a lineup like that. They start, what is it, uh, they have one player in their starting lineup that is under six foot nine, and they're just, <laughs> they're just long and fast and athletic and... And it's really, really hard to even get a good solid pass around them. They are, they are tough on D. That's true. So, uh, one of the hallmarks that I think that you need to take the Bucks, they make sound fiscal decisions with their players, right? Mm-hmm. They let Jabari Parker go. Um, they, they just, they're, they're wisely investing their money. What do you think about uh, Drew's little brother getting a four million, if yeah, four million seventy, four year seventy million dollar deal? You know, uh, a four-year deal for a guy that is his age and who has an injury, uh, 
an injury record is, as his goes is is a lot. You know, I, I when a guy approaches thirty, he's twenty nine now. Twenty yeah, twenty or twenty eight, twenty nine. It's uh, you know, four or five year deals just get riskier and riskier. Uh, because you pay that back half of the deal, and all of a sudden your your team has cap problems on a player that's really not even getting any playing time by the end of those contracts. It happens a lot of times. And yeah, uh, yeah I think on, on this deal, the one that scares me is there's been a lot of talk if Giannis stays or not, right? Right. He's got two years left. So the worst two years of this deal, where he's going to be getting twenty million a year uh, for low output, is going to be the years you don't have anybody. You're gonna you're gonna spend two years in purgatory. Right. If you keep doing deals like this, and I think Chris Middleton is set to get a nice deal, I think they're probably going to make the same kind of mistake. So uh, it's curious to see if they're going to keep that team together. Yeah. Well, you know, it's a four-year, seventy million dollar deal though these days almost feels like chump change. With some of these, <laughs> some of these absurd deals you keep hearing about, though. So you yeah. never know. Yeah. Well, uh, from one from one player that we're questioning his age to another. Mm-hmm. It. <laughs> is it, it the end? Is it? We don't know. So Dirk Nowitzki has been on a farewell tour, so to speak, with uh, fans giving him standing ovations, opposing coaches calling timeouts to give him a little bit of dap. But here's the thing. When, because I cannot remember it, Jason. When did Wait, Dirk, I'm, I'm 40. What is dap? <laughs> it's a, you know, it's Dapper Dan. Is it stuff you put in your hair? I don't know. I saw it on the interwebs. So Dirk Nowitzki... Came out and said, I, I don't know if uh, this is my last season. I, I, I'm i going to see how I feel, which made me go back and try to figure out, when did when did he actually <laughs> say this was his last season? Because everybody in the league has, ju- has just treated it like he's the other Dwayne Wade. He never said it was his last season. I just think everybody assumed that when they watch him run up and down the court, though, as they kind of close their eyes and <laughs> wince and but here's the praying he doesn't fall over. And <laughs> Here's the question, though. Are they doing it because they were like, oh, we just thought you were retiring. No, please stay. We love you, Dirk. Are they like, are they doing it in that way where you're just like, oh, you mentioned you had something to do. I'll let you go do that. It's time to leave. And the person's like, I don't remember saying. I think everybody's trying to push him out of the league because it's embarrassing. When he fell down, just jogging down backwards down the court, I think that was the moment everybody collectively said, how do we get him out of here the most graceful it's, possible? It's time. I, I, I love Dirk. He's been one of my favorites for so many years. But... If you don't agree with us that it's time for him to go, just go to YouTube and watch the three-point contest from this year and watch how hard it was just for him to run from rack to rack. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, maybe they should have, like, a um, – they should have just brought, like, like a – uh, people do, like carry help him over like like Babe Ruth at the end of his career where like all he had to do was hit the ball and then somebody would run around the path for him just to pinch, so maybe that's what the pinch runners that's that'd be right. great so he just so in the game maybe that's what they'll do as they'll just let him kind of stand on certain parts of the court and then somebody else runs back and plays defense for him he, you know I, it almost makes me wonder are guys not closing out on him as fast as they normally would and letting him get a few shots up oh, because come on. his release is so slow and some of these guys are so used to closing out on the three point line so quickly these days I'm actually surprised he's getting off as many as he is Dirk for 20 years now has been a gentleman of the league I mean he's outside of his little tiff with Dwayne Wade he's never had a bad thing to say about another, uh, no matter who it was. And he played in a, in a league at a time where there were some really cutthroat players. Oh, yeah. Never had a bad thing to say about any of them. He's always been a stand-up person. He's always been, you know, dedicated to his community, dedicated to his teammates. If if you're playing the Mavericks and you're up 12, 
Why Why would you close out on him? <laughs> like, I remember when Michael Jordan was 40 years old on the Wizards, people were gunning for him because he was finally mortal. They're like, I'm going to finally kill a god, right? I'm going after Michael Jordan hard. Yeah, but a lot of times it didn't <laughs> work out for him. <laughs> he was still, I, I, but I remember once he, he, said, he would pull some magic out of a bag. I remember, no Wizards pun intended there. <laughs> and <laughs> I remember some, uh, 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 I remember one game, it was Ray Allen. Uh, and Ray Allen just went hard at him, blocked him, and like got in his face. And they asked him, and he said, Michael Jordan had been doing that to us for 15 <laughs> years. It's his turn. Dirk never did that to anybody. He like he would stab you with that with that fadeaway jumper, but he'd always make you feel good after it went in. Like, <laughs> of course you're not going to stick it to Dirk Nowitzki. Yeah. Man. You can't do it. He's, yeah, you're probably right. Uh, we have a... I, I'm torn on this next subject, man. Like... Like, no, I actually I'm down with this one. I kind of I kind of like it. Okay, so if you haven't heard, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is selling off his trophies and championship rings, um, putting them up for auction for uh, the Skyhook Foundation, which is his foundation to help out uh, kids, and it has brought a lot of controversy uh, just around just news shows everywhere because on one end, yeah, it's great what he's doing. And on the other side, people are like, you've worked so hard for all of these things. How could you do it? And I got to say, I think it's a great thing. These are just possessions, you know. He has the memories of of winning these. He has uh, friends that are still with him. He has photographs from it to remind him of those times. Those celebrations are, you know, there's something that he's going to hold close to him, to himself. These other things... You know, he had them stored in boxes. He mm-hmm. didn't even have them displayed. And he can just hang on to something that really, you know, the that's not where the sentiment is for him in those diamond rings. It's in those other things. And he has chosen to put them up for auction to help out, you know, those who aren't as fortunate. And I think it's a really good thing. So I'm with you on the fact that, you know, he's he's doing this to help, help his foundation and, and, you know, to give to the youth. But my... Uh, I'd like to ask a couple questions. Number one, is Kareem Abdul-Jabbar unable to raise a significant amount of money from millionaires in the league right now? Because I feel like he could he could pick up the phone and call Magic Johnson and get as, as three times the amount oh, of money for absolutely. those rings. Absolutely, he could. However, it's it's the gesture for him and for his soul to get rid of these things too. You know, so that's it, it's something that that he wants to do. I'm sure everybody would be willing to give to Kareem, especially for this foundation yep. and what it goes to. So, but it's w- not about that. But when Kareem was in the league, and then and then after he retired, uh, he his 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 heart was always questioned. Like he he never seemed to really care about anything, right? So when he when he started to try to be a head coach, he got really frustrated because he said nobody was going to give him an opportunity because of how outspoken he was and you know social awareness and all the stuff that he did when he was a player. But but really, what it came down to is he never had the heart, right? He never he never like you look at an Avery Johnson is a really good example. That guy had all heart, very little skill, all heart. Kareem was exactly the opposite. Like he could win, he could lose. At the end of the day, he didn't really care. So it was just it was just something that like he was so good at. He was so amazing. Well, it just came second nature. Well, so well, he, he couldn't be stopped. Right, but but 
you can't you can't expect to be a part of this league and not have at least a little bit of passion because what's going to happen is it's going to get snu- it's going to get sniffed out and and nobody's going to give you an opportunity. This is more testament to the fact that everybody was correct in the fact that he never cared. He didn't like Barry Sanders. Well, it's it's also kind of what Kevin Durant had just said earlier this week too. Mm-hmm. Exactly is the same. There's stuff. more important things in this life than the game of basketball. Then don't play. <laughs> that's what I mean. Like, like if that's true, then don't sit there and leave and go on a super team and create so, fake Twitter accounts and troll troll people. Like, well, that's just a part of being immature. But he make, Kevin Durant's point aside, I love basketball. I love watching it. I love playing it. I love coaching kids. Mm-hmm. But there will always be things in this life that are more important than basketball, and that's kids. And Kareem realizes that. Mm-hmm. But. You know he's hanging on to one of them rings. <laughs> it's just, just one. Just one. <laughs> maybe maybe his first MVP when he was like twenty three. So I, I'm I'm just saying he didn't have to get rid of this stuff. Like like if if, if he was really going to get money in, in in a way that he couldn't get any other way, I'd say wow that's very admirable. But he he's Kareem Abdul Jabbar, and in this league he could pick up the phone and get millions of dollars from any other player, past or present. And, and they're going to say, why, thank you, Mr. Abdul-Jabbar. I'd love the opportunity to well, be part of your well, Skyhook yeah. Foundation. But again, I think it's for him. Yeah. And again, it's, it's, for, it's, it's something that he wants to do to uh, just have that. It, it's a different, giving is a different kind of a feeling. Like when I get a chance to, to donate to something, something that you know, could be deemed as probably pretty important to me, but I know that, that that gesture has the opportunity to help people. And it's something that you know is Something that I'm sure he does hold personally. He has attachment to those, to mm-hmm. the rings, and to the trophies. They do mean something to him, but it also doesn't mean as much as helping the youth. And he can raise all the kind of money that he wanted to from from other sources. But I think he wanted it to come from this as a part of the gesture. Yeah, I, I guess. I mean, I, I'm I'm still I'm still taking this as an indictment on he never liked the game of basketball. That's how I'm gonna. I, and, and maybe I'm wrong, but there's too many times in his life. Where he had the opportunity to show that basketball was was important, and it's kind of like this, man. Like well, there there are things that I'm good at. Like I'm good at sales, but I'm not like passionate about sales. Uh, if I got sales rewards and sales trophies, I wouldn't have as much value on them as I would yeah, well, uh, humanitarian stuff. And I think that he's kind of the same way. Is like, yeah, I'm getting rid of this stuff, but hey, look, man, I was just really good at this game. I didn't care about it anyways. Yeah, well, I mean, he had to like it a little bit though, because otherwise he wouldn't have played till he was like 57. So. <laughs> but it's just because he never got hurt. Did he ever? <laughs> hey, so. So anybody who's listening to this podcast, uh, shoot an email. Yeah, that'd be uh, great. Yeah, if you have a, a hey dummy, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar did get hurt. Uh, it's over and back at gmail.com. It's O V E R, the letter N and then B A C K. Over and back at gmail.com. Shoot us an email and tell me how wrong I am. But to, to best of my knowledge, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was invincible. And only missed one game in his entire life. And I know that's a lie, but I can't remember any injury that he's ever had. So, um, so going from one legend of the game that's that's uh, up there in age to 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 the kids to, to the kids a uh, future legend. <laughs> I'm gonna throw it out there right now. <laughs> wow, that's my bold prediction for the next 20 years. Okay, so rookie of the year. Now, statistically speaking. It's a two-man race. I think you, you know, I, I, I've been beat up on on even bringing up the fact that he could be mentioned as a rookie of the year. But I think it comes down to to Luca uh, and and Trey, right? Luca Trey, and I think what's really neat is these two are going to intrinsically be connected through their entire careers because of the trade and some yeah, of the, the dumb very stuff very unfortunate trade. <laughs> hey, you don't know what they're going to get out of the next draft pick. Anyway, uh, 
So rookie of the year, Luka uh, Doncic. Don Doncic. 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 Thank you. Oh my goodness. Luka Doncic is averaging 21 points a game, five and a half assists, and a little over seven rebounds. Trey Young, 18 points a game, nearly eight assists, and three rebounds. Well, I think most of Trey Young's uh, scoring average came after that game the other night, where he dropped almost 50 in a losing effort. But that's just kind of uh, how the year has been for him. He's had he's had glimpses of brilliance and a lot of just mediocre basketball. Uh, his numbers are a little bit inflated being on an Atlanta squad that is, you know, in a really just low transition uh, I, I, spot. I call those Sharif Abdul-Rahim numbers. <laughs> like, like, I can put up 20 and 10 and win less than 20 games. Or I could do 10 and 5 and, and I could be on a playoff team. You exactly. think that's Trey Young? Exactly. I th well, as for now it is, do I, th do I think he has a lot more potential and his ceiling is actually pretty high? I really do. But it ain't as high as Luka's ceiling and it's not close to what he's doing right now. Luka is making some of the best guys in this league look silly. Right. He's he's hit game winners. Uh, he's he's shown that he's the guy that the Mavericks are going to count on at 19 years old or he just turned 20, I think. Yeah. He's showing them that he's already mature enough to put himself in those situations and volunteer to have the ball in his hands, make those decisions uh, that are you know, with the game on the line. And he's showing a maturity that is way beyond a 19, 20-year-old kid. And he's, you know, showing that his time, his three years that he spent in the EuroLeague playing professional ball has really just come over and just made him shine. So, so I'll say this about him. His game doesn't really model after anybody else, and I think that's kind of exciting. He's his own He he's his own type of player. Yes. Uh, Trey Young, to me, is is the Kobe Bryant to Steph Curry's Michael Jordan? He he's he's a lesser version of what we already have in the league, uh, because he just modeled it after somebody that he he liked and he had the same kind of build and mindset up. And so we already had a lesser version of Steph Curry and that's Seth. Oh, totally different games. Totally different games. Seth, if you're out there, we love you, man. Uh, so here, here's here's a fun fact because we just talked about Dirk Nowitzki, right? So how old was Luca? When Dirk came into the league. <laughs> I think he was a, a swimmer at the time. <laughs> Zero years old. I think that, that stuff like that is always really neat. You know, you have a you have a statesman of the game like Dirk Nowitzki playing next to the future in Luca and man, like that kid wasn't even alive when when, I, when we no. all sat there wondering what were they thinking trading uh, Robert tractor trailer for Dirk. Yeah, Nowitzki. you know, we were uh, we were seeing Dirk as this 19 year old kid with the Sean Hunter butt cut, you know, mm -hmm. and <laughs> I actually saw some footage of him as a, a as a rookie working with his shooting coach from Germany, and it is just amazing to see you know how far he came because he was. Uh, his rookie season, just uh, not a mature player mm -hmm. like Luca is. At 19, Dirk still had quite a bit of developing to do. Yeah, that's more of an indictment on the fact that world basketball, FIBA, uh, Euro leagues were not what they are today. They, I mean, you remember the 92 Dream Team went around and did like the world tour, and everybody's jaw dropped at the quality of basketball those oh, guys yeah. had. So, you know, he was in that initial uh, like explosion of, of basketball interest in the world, the global interest. Whereas Luke is more of a fine-tuned product of a of a system that's actually, in my opinion, surpassed U.S. basketball as far as how to play the game correctly. Oh, Talent-wise, yeah. I still think that you have some of the best talent. Um, 
in, in the United States, uh, like athleticism, um, shooting, uh, prowess. But as far as understanding the depth of the game, these kids are going into uh, professional leagues at 15 and 16 years old, sitting on the bench and learning basketball for two or three years. Uh, yeah, and the thing about the Euro Leagues too is it's the kind of basketball that we actually liked and grew up on. Yeah. It is just hard-nosed basketball. You know, they allow hand-checking. They allow just a lot more contact. Stuff that would be called a flagrant that would get somebody kicked out of a game here is... Yeah. Sometimes it's lucky if it's even a foul over there. Yeah. But uh, it's a, it's an interesting brand of basketball, and it really gives a lot of these younger guys who are going to be coming over from overseas with the more popular it gets every year. It's going to give them, you know, before European players were labeled as soft, right? That was the big thing. This guy came from Europe. He's soft, you know. He's not going to, you know, play with any physicality. Now... I think it's going to be, you know, we're going to be seeing the opposite. These guys are going to come in, and they're going to play some hard-nosed basketball here in the NBA because, like uh, a lot of guys are saying, the NBA has become a Charmin League. So, <laughs> All right. Well, I think we're in agreement. Luka is a runaway for Rookie of the Year. I, I think Trey Young's going to get some votes, uh, but unless something happens over the next 20 games, I just don't see I don't see anybody else getting it. But It's, it's literally a tortoise and hare race because <laughs> Trey Young is so quick out there. Luka He's a little bit lumbering. He takes his time out there, but he's still winning the race at the end. So. He plays that old man basketball. There was a gentleman we used to play basketball with here in Coquille. Yeah, he was the youngest guy at the YMCA. Right? <laughs> <laughs> there was a, I remember uh, playing basketball. I, I, I couldn't tell you that uh, uh, what his actual name was, name was, but we just called him Doc. He was a dentist. <laughs> played basketball with this guy. We were young kids in our 20s. <laughs> this guy was in his 40s at the time, right? right. It had to be late 40s maybe. Right. And uh, we just run up and down the court all over him, but I swear every time he got the ball, like – I'd go to swipe it. It would be like where my hand was or where my hand is is always where the ball was. This guy always knew where to put his arms, where to put his hands, where to pivot, where to move. And like <laughs> he was as slow as slow could be. It was like molasses on the basketball court, but nobody could block him, and he had an incredible love. And if there was contact, he would just push his way right through that contact. Even if you were bigger than he was, he just had a way of just nailing you. Yeah, so that's 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 Luca in 20 years. All right, that's going to be Luca's <laughs> game. We're going to call him Doc. Um, you know, this is a, I'm going to kind of go off topic here a little bit. It's something that uh, I was actually talking with my kid about. Um, you know, Wall Street Journal released a, a study that says 48% of NBA players are related. <laughs> so I was, no, I'm serious. I don't know if it's accurate. I didn't do the study. But here's... They're related, the 48% are related in some way, so I decided to do a little bit of looking. And I thought, uh, since we're on the topic of Rookie of the Year, um, Marvin Marvin Bagley uh, III, right? Right. Yeah, he was number two pick for the Sacramento Kings. Uh, you know what? You know how hard it is to call him the Sacramento Kings thanks to Shaquille O'Neal? I hear Sacramento Queens in my head every single time. And that's ironic that he's a part owner of that team now. But So the Sacramento Kings drafted Marvin Bagley uh, III with the number two overall pick. And, I mean, he's doing all that. It's like 14 points a game, seven rebounds, and he's mm-hmm. starting to come on, right? He, yeah, he's but, solid. Yeah, he's on the bench. I, so he came up on the search of players that were related. His grandfather drafted number two overall in the league. Uh, had, a, had a pretty solid career. So I think uh, – now, now, listeners, this isn't scripted. There's nothing that I gave uh, Jason a heads up on. This is, this is purely just me challenging him. I'm going to ask you a series of players, and you're going to have to all tell right. me who go. their relative is. All right, so we're going to go softball on this one, all right? So the first one is Vince Carter. Tracy McGrady. All right, yeah. So, uh, listeners, if you remember Vince Carter, Tracy McGrady were teammates for the Toronto Raptors. Two superstars in the league. Cousins. Amazing. So here's another one for you. Half amazing. 
Ah, man. <laughs> so here's another one for you. This one, uh, depending on how how well you followed his career, uh, one of the Fab Five, Jalen Rose. His uh, he had a relative in the league. Do you know who this? Oh boy. Well, it was his dad. Yeah, right? his yeah. dad, Jimmy Walker. Right. He was a number one draft. Jimmy Skywalker. Yep. Uh, and they never actually met. He never. I, he's never met him. I always thought that was so weird. Right? It's like once you make it to the league, you should be able to. Uh, uh, you should be able to um, uh, kind of bridge that gap and, and have a little bit more of shared experience. That you, even if you have some hard feelings, man, you're both in the league, and that's that's very rare. So the last one, last one is uh, is a lot harder. All right. All right. So uh, this man uh, is father to at least seventy five NBA players in the league today. Will Chamberlain. <laughs> <laughs> if I had to play the numbers game, Correct. every time, uh, every time somebody says, "Hey, uh, do you know Jalen's Jalen Rose?" This, this, so this came out. Jalen Rose's dad played in the NBA. I'm like, Will Chamberlain. That's my default answer to everybody. So and so's dad was an NBA star. Will Chamberlain. Kevin Love's dad played in the NBA. Will Chamberlain? No, that's no, just it. I don't <laughs> see the resemblance there. <laughs> Will Chamberlain did more than score just 100 points in a game. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Oh man! Uh, so we, we, we're gonna get kicked off. <laughs> hey, uh, you know we, we kept it uh, PG-ish. So thirteen <laughs> listeners. Uh, uh, so listeners, we have a new segment uh, that uh, on busy weeks like this, where there's a lot of topics because we still have a lot more to go. Uh, we're actually gonna speed it up a little bit. We're gonna we're gonna take part in a segment that we call shoot. Pass or Slam. Now, that's a shout-out to Shaq Diesel, his 1993 <laughs> album. If you haven't had a chance to listen to it, you got to, because he screams it out, do you want me to shoot it, do you want me to pass it, or do you want me to slam it? And, Jason, that's what I want you to do. I'm going to give you a topic. I want you to either pass on it. I want you to go ahead and take right. a shot at it, or go ahead and slam the topic. The first one, Russell Westbrook. He, he oh. so so listeners, uh, if you haven't had a chance to see this news, Russell Westbrook had an altercation with a fan. He put the fan in his place with a nice lecture, and then after the game, uh, in the post game conference, he says the fan had hit him, and he had to make sure that the fan knew that that was inappropriate. Jason, are you gonna shoot past or slam it? Well, I'm gonna slam the living snot out of this. First of all, uh, the incident with this fan, this. Really, really rugged looking, just <laughs> beefy, well, small little 12 year old boy uh, was on the sidelines watching a game with his dad. Russell Westbrook was practically on top of him coming off the sidelines, and this kid maybe brushed him in the back a little bit just to touch him. I don't know if you've ever been to like a wrestling show, but all you do is reach out and try to touch them because you're a fan and you just want to get that opportunity to slap five and just kind of be a part of it. Well, it looks like that kid barely did something like that. Mm -hmm. There was hardly any contact. And Russell Westbrook proceeds to, in the middle of the game, give this kid and his father a lecture, telling this kid's father, keep your kids in line, you know, they need to learn to keep their hands to themselves, and you just don't go around touching people, and I can understand that, but you need to also understand the environment you're in, Mr. Westbrook. You're right there, practically on top of them. Right, and well, you know, he makes a good point, though, because I know for a fact Russell Westbrook would never just put his hands on a fan unsolicited, right? No, that would well, actually, yeah, a year ago or so, last February, after after a game, a fan is standing up on the sidelines yelling and screaming because his team just won 
And what does Russell Westbrook do? He shoves him. And he actually shoves him hard enough to make the guy move backwards and stumble and a little this bit. this was a, a large fellow. This wasn't uh, this wasn't a little beanpole of a guy. It wasn't a little twiggy guy. This was a, a pretty good, solid... Uh, I'd, say six, good, I'd say six foot 240, at least. At least. And gives him a pretty good shove right in the shoulder to where it half spins this guy around. Now, I don't know if... Russell Westbrook enjoys just throwing these double standards out there when it comes to fans and players, but uh, to sit there and lecture a 12-year-old and his father and try to make a spectacle out of what was practically mm-hmm. nothing is kind of a shame. It is. Now, both these incidents happened at the Pepsi Center in Denver. Um, the Thunder actually got, what uh, uh, I think they ended up pulling the win out, um, but, but you know they got a little heated in that game. So I understand tempers are flaring. And I will say this, to his credit, he turned around like he was going to do something, and he saw it was a little kid, and then he cooled down a little bit. But here's the thing. You are making $25, $30 million a a year to play basketball, and and part of the way that you're being paid that much money is that those people sitting in those seats are paying an astronomical amount of money, something I could never afford. They're paying thousands of dollars of money that night to sit that close to you. I I don't think you get to, to... to play that, he hit me card. Yeah, he should have gave that kid a hug. Yeah, you know, at the post games, just don't say I got a uh, fan hit me. Don't say yeah. that. Don't say a fan hit me. No, you, just you, say it was all good. Yeah, it's you could fine. say you could say, hey, you know, kid, kid needed to keep his hands to himself or something, not reach out because you never know in the, uh, in the heat of a game what's going on. Uh, he hit me. He that was hit me. That was pathetic. All right, so pathetic. so we have the next one. All right, let me know uh, if you're gonna shoot it, pass it, or slam it. Jaw rules halftime performance and his voodoo curse. Uh, nobody cares about Ja Rule. All I gotta say is Fire Festival. <laughs> it's Boom. murder. All right, pass. <laughs> all right, so Robert, Robert Kraft. That's all I'm gonna say. If you don't know about Robert Kraft's situation by now, you are probably not listening to this podcast. <laughs> Robert Kraft, you want to take a shot? You want to pass or you want to slam? Well, uh, much like Robert Kraft, I'm gonna take a shot. All right, go for it. <laughs> so, <laughs> Robert Kraft, the owner of the. Um, New England Patriots was... Uh, oh, I believe they're called the New England Voldemorts. I don't know if you, you got that memo. I, I have not. Yeah. I didn't hear about the, the name change. Interesting. Uh, anyways, he was caught with his pants down at an establishment called... Uh, what was it called again? It was the... Uh, it doesn't even matter. <laughs> it was not a reputable massage place. You know what a reputable massage place looks like from the outside. And uh, this, <laughs> this was not one of them. But apparently it was reported that he was in there on the uh, the morning of the AFC championship game. Uh, you know, getting a whatever. I don't, I don't know how you say Whatever this services they offer. Uh, I think it's called a happy ending. I, <laughs> it's a fairy tale. <laughs> no, uh, anyways. He was in there from 11 a.m. that morning to 11 to 15 that morning. <laughs> and, you know, as horrible, horrible as it is, eh, at least he handled his business quickly, I suppose. But it's just a shame to see the the Patriots and the Patriots owner in another scandal that is, you know, as far as, you know, all their, their scouting problems that they had, the mm-hmm. deflating mm-hmm. problems. Now we have this that's just going to be team turmoil. And it's a, it's a shame. You know, we try to make light of it a little bit, but it's kind of a serious thing. You know, don't do not do that. You know, you're, you have a family. Come on, man. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it, it happens on the, the – the, the, it happens on game day. He flies down to Florida. I understand it's stressful. It's, 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 
you know, he goes to visit a place of uh, orchids of Asia. Is the, is the name Orchids there of Asia? So first of all, I want to know how does he find a place like this? Why is he flying down there? Are there no Orchids of Asia anywhere else in the in the it's probably Northwest? On Yelp. Or I mean, Northeast. No, well, it's a great Yelp review. He takes a jet down there for fifteen minutes of fun, and then he, of course he he comes out. Uh, um, uh, Although the only guy in the world who's taken a private jet to one of those places. Right? Oh my gosh! So you know, again, like you talked about, he had uh, you know he had scandal after scandal. So uh, you know, we're gonna go well, and, and feel free to email us if you have a better name for it. But can you know? I, I like the, the the juxtaposition of Deflate Gate to Inflate Gate. <laughs> no, that's terrible. No. <laughs> All right, we'll see if anybody has anything Dude, my, better. My kids are gonna listen to this. <laughs> it's. <laughs> All right, so uh, moving on then. Moving on to a new topic. Uh, you got you got to shoot, pass, or slam teams that keep screwing up their tanking strategy by actually winning games. Uh, I'm gonna go ahead and pass on this, but uh, it's it's pretty bad in this day and age that we have to talk about these bad teams going on two game winning streaks. <laughs> <He's passed. Yeah>. All <laughs> right. So uh, this happened a little over a week ago. Uh, so you let me know if you want to shoot past a slam. This Carl Anthony Towns almost dying in a car accident. Shoot past a slam. Oh, yeah, let's talk about this one a little All bit. Right, yeah, let's let's, take, let's, let's take a shot. So I'll set the stage a little bit more for listeners who haven't uh, uh, been following this. Carl Anthony Towns, he just got out of uh, concussion protocol after being in a car accident uh, where he was on a highway in uh, Wisconsin or Minnesota. I cannot remember which one. He, he was uh, heading out of town. Uh, it was a big snowstorm. Cars got backed up, and a semi-truck about 35 miles an hour slams into the back of him. So two things. One, he says he, the doctors told him he only had a 5% chance of living, so he's very lucky. And two, he was in a Hyundai Santa Fe. So two questions. Is he <laughs> lying about a 5% chance of living? And what kind of shady crap was he up to to be in a Hyundai Santa Fe when you're Carl Anthony Towns? <laughs> oh, gosh, I don't even know if I would touch a Hyundai. I've made fun of my brother for years for driving one of those things. Shout out. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Korea. Uh, anyways, it's it's. I, I would have to say he has a little bit more, probably a five percent chance. How bad was the car wreck? Did he destroy the thing? I haven't even heard. Yeah, about there's this no. I, I look. There's no photos. There's no video of the vehicle. I'm just thinking. Uh, maybe he says that there's only a five percent chance if a semi truck slams into you on a freeway, not taking into the consideration that it was only going thirty five miles an hour. I don't know. Uh, or maybe it's uh, there's a ninety five percent chance of death if you get into a car accident and on like Santa Fe. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I'll have to check um, the Motor Trend to see what their safety rating is, but I'd imagine that most of the percentage from survival was probably. Uh, Due to the fact that he was driving a Hyundai, get a Toyota. It's safer. <laughs> maybe it's ten maybe, star rating. Maybe it's maybe it's I the got way, two of them. Maybe it's the way a seven footer has to sit. <laughs> he probably would have destroyed his legs if he hit head on, man. So uh, here's here's another topic for you: the shoot, pass, or slam. I'm torn on this one, man. So I hope we talk about it. But Hulu has live sports. Do they? Yes, and I only know this because I you can cut your cable these days. <laughs> I only know this because Dame Lillard gets a tattoo that says this, and the process Joel Embiid decides to change his nickname to Hulu Has Live Sports as a marketing gimmick. Shoot it, slam it, or pass. Oh, let's shoot this. This is buckets all day long. All right, all right. 
Okay, first of all, I thought this was a joke. Yes. When I first saw the very first Dave Lillard commercial, they were kind of poking fun at it in their own ad campaign. So I thought the whole thing was just a big, big joke. Right. And that would have been a really great marketing campaign. They wouldn't have had to have had him actually get a tattoo. Maybe he figures in a few years, once the the advertising deal is up, he can just tat over the top of it and get something else. Probably. But, uh, man... And I gotta say, I'm Team Netflix, man. <laughs> so I've never actually seen NBA players sell out this hard before. Where you're you're gonna get a tattoo of a business, like like. So the question I have is, didn't Ron Artest or I'm sorry, Meta World Peace do the same thing on his leg where he got a a, a shoe deal and he tattooed the name of the shoe de- shoe deal on his leg? No, J.R. Smith is the player. Oh yeah, yeah. And he had to wear a sleeve on his calf to cover it up. And then he had to remove that sleeve because he had the yeah he had the supreme tattoo or something didn't he was that it something I don't remember the, yeah. the I don't remember the brand but I he, guess getting the supreme tattoo is actually cheaper than buying any product that has a supreme name on it <laughs> so I can understand that yeah, just, you know trademark it but hey, so five hundred bucks for a white t shirt that sounds good so so I get that you get a tattoo and then you're like aha I got a tattoo and then I covered up. But Joel Embiid changing his nickname. So first of all, it's a nickname he gave himself. And for a second, uh, was his original nickname not stupid enough as it was? Right? <laughs> yeah. Hey, you know this thing that Sam Hinkie got fired for and was ridiculed yeah, for about I, five I'm gonna, years? I'm going to call myself that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know if anybody's ever seen, like, Kingpin, but that's like saying, I'm going to nickname myself Munson. <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, goodness. So Joel Embiid, Dame Lillard, good luck on the sellout money, but... Uh, I, I got no love for this. I think it's I think it's cheesy. I think it's corny, and it's certainly not going to get me interested in watching live sports on Hulu. No. Uh, Although I didn't know that they had live sports, so maybe it did actually work. Yeah, it, you know, you learn something new every day, I guess. <laughs> All right, so uh, we have again. I want I want to hype it up. We have an email address. We want people to ask questions. You could you could insult us. You could, you could uh, <laughs> make a statement. You can contra- uh, contradict what we're saying. Uh, we'll read it. Every Sunday, well, when we do our podcasts, again, it's over and back at gmail.com, O-V-E-R-N-B-A-C-K at gmail.com. Jason, any closing remarks? No, we just want to hear from you guys, so please write in with anything you have to say, comments, good or bad, or, you know, you want to let us know what uh, stories you might have missed this week, and then we can touch on it then. You know, we can't wait to hear from you. Yeah, you know, every uh, every week we try to put together an hour-long podcast full of uh, fun topics. Hopefully this met that criteria for you. Keep in mind, if you're listening to this uh, through a link on Facebook or any other shares, we also have our podcast available on Spotify and soon on iTunes. Everybody, I want you to have a great week. All right, we'll see you next time.